Welcome into another episode of the CG Business Advisor Podcast. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Thanks so much for tuning in. And if you haven't already, what are you waiting for? Subscribe to the podcast. Follow the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher. We're all over the place. Just search for us. The CG Business Advisor brought to you by CG Tax Audit and Advisory. We've talked about business sales here on the podcast before. We've talked about buying a business before here on the podcast. But getting ready to exit a business is something that as a business owner, you strongly have to be thinking about, well, right now. Joe Worth is a B2B CFO partner with an interest in helping the owners of privately held businesses reach their goals, both personal and business, for over 30 years. Joe has been helping business owners reduce cash flow worries, increase company value, reduce stress, and provide peace of mind. He provides consulting services on an as-needed long-term basis, and that helps privately held businesses as they benefit from Joe's experience without the fully loaded cost of a full-time employee. Joe has particular expertise in business exits, mergers, acquisitions, and divestitures, coaching and consultative selling, financial function planning, building, and management in high-growth companies, and public and private equity and debt funding, including IPO, follow-on public offering, VC, and angel fundings. Joe, thanks so much for joining us here on the CG Business Advisor. Good morning, Scott. Joe, I know you have some expertise in mergers, acquisitions, and of course, business exits. So why is it so important to have an exit strategy for your business? Like most things, Scott, the, um, the success of what you do in business depends on how well you plan for that success and how well you execute that plan. And uh, exiting your business is no different than any other way. Um, the, the best outcomes come when business owners are basically always ready to sell. Um, what they get from that, the benefit of that, is they get the highest value. And very interestingly, every single thing you do today, a business owner does today, to enhance the value to a buyer, helps make that business more valuable to the current owner. Um, they're, they're more, their sales grow faster, their profits are increased, their cash flow is increased. Um, So everything you do not only helps when the eventual exit comes, but it helps right now to be a better business. So at what point, though, do you begin planning an exit strategy? When do you decide to figure that out? Well, it's a cliche, but right now. Yeah. Um, Really, it's true. Some initiatives that we're talking about, like to to grow your earnings over time, take a long time, take years. Um, And the, uh, you know, there's a funny thing that happens. A lot of um, I ask a lot of business owners, well, what's your uh, what's your plan? When do you plan to leave the business? And I often get the answer five years. And this is independent of the age of the business owner. And then, okay, that's fine. We go along a year later. I ask them the same question. Well, when do you intend to leave your business? And the answer is still five years. And I've I've even named it. It's the, the perpetual five years. And then what happens is since they haven't started anything, eventually something happens, something bad happens, they get divorced, they have a heart attack or, you know, something horrible happens or something good happens. They get a, uh, an indication of an interest from a buyer. This comes floating over the transom, but they're not ready. And uh, so, the, you know, 
I tell no, don't do the perpetual five years. Start now. So would you say like all businesses are started just to eventually sell? Absolutely. Every business has an exit sometime or another. It might be a few years from now if they fail. It might be a couple of generations from now um, if they do it right. But every business has an exit. The only question is, how well is it executed and is it successful? So what are some of the biggest concerns for business owners that are planning to sell or transfer ownership? Yeah, we, our firm actually did a survey of business owners at the Inc. 5000 conference a few years ago. And by far and away, um, way, well over 50%, um, business owners are concerned about the value that they will get from their business. Again, whether it's transferred to the next generation, whether it's sold outright, doesn't matter. They're, they're worried about the value. And quite frankly, most business owners have very unrealistic expectations of the value that they will receive from their business. Um, but there are other things they, uh, they, they're, that they're concerned about. Um, they're concerned about their company, company future, their legacy, their name is often on the door, um, you know, and they want to see that continue. Some exits, that's possible. Some exits, it's not possible. And it may, it may fight with the value concern. Um, many business owners are um, concerned about the roles for their family members going forward. Um, if they're in the business, if they're working in the business, then what, you know, will they be able to continue those jobs? Do those family members want to continue in those jobs? Or would they rather have, you know, a piece of the pie that exists, a piece of the cash when the business is sold? Um, and one of the big ones is business owners, they're worried about what's next for me. What, what am I going to do when I'm not running and owning this business? And, the, you know, it, it turns out there's a very strong correlation between how much thinking and planning business owners do for their next role, their, what they're going to do, you know, whether it's retiring, starting another business. The ones that think about that and know what they want to do um, tend to have much better exits. The ones that don't know how to do have a hard time making the decisions they need to make to have a good exit plus i'm sure things get dicey if there's a partnership involved or something like that or a transfer of ownership uh, maybe amongst partners absolutely though that can get very complicated you're absolutely right scott so how do you determine the best type of buyer for your business if you're looking to sell that's uh that's a very good question it actually is uh, a whole chapter in uh, our book uh, the exit strategy handbook about how to determine the best buyer. It starts with looking at the different kinds of buyers, um, financial buyers, strategic buyers, family buyers, et cetera. But there's, I, I have actually a, a laundry list of the things that you need to think about to determine the best buyer. And with your permission, I'll go through that list Please. quickly. Um, the first one, guess what? Price, <laughs> okay? And, and closely related to that is the after-tax proceeds. Um, you know, I always add, the other, other question I always ask business owners is what's your number? What's the amount of cash that you need when the transaction is done to do what you're going to do next? Um, and that's the after-tax proceeds of the, the, um, of the sale or of the transfer. And different buyers um, will require different structures, which will mean different tax implications. So um, that's, uh, that's very important. Um, you know, how much, what, what is the mix that, that you need to get out of the deal? Not every deal is an all cash deal. Some uh, deals come with um, 
seller financing. They, they take a note instead of cash for some of the proceeds. Uh, and it can be a mix between the two. Um, again, the time and the role of the owner after the sale. Is the owner going to stay on and run the business? Is the owner going to stay on and be a consultant for how long? How much are they going to get paid? Um, these are all uh, something that different buyers will do differently. Um, and one I just mentioned a minute ago, the legacy, you know, are they going to change the name of the company? You know, a, a big strategic buyer is going to change the name of the company. There's no question about that. Um, but a, a small financial buyer or, you know, most financial buyers will leave the company the way it is with the same name and the trademarks and the brands and all these important things. And of course, there's everything in between. Um, what will be the impact on current employees? Again, can be very different between strategic buyers and financial buyers. And similarly, what will be the impact on the family members? Will they be in? Will they be out? What will be their roles? Will they have contracts, et cetera? Um, a lot of owners, um, you know, the uh, what kind of buyer they get, will it'll depend on uh, whether their current business debt is paid off or not, or whether the, the legacy company will, whether the continuing company will have to pay that debt. Um, one of the things that, uh, that will vary between buyers is the amount and timing of disclosures that need to be made. Disclosures to current employees, disclosures to current management, disclosures to customers, disclosures to, to, to suppliers, disclosures to um, banks and lenders, the list goes on and on. I'm not sure if you've done any, compiled any data on this or just have a personal opinion, but is it better to, to have a clean break and a clean exit if you're selling your business or to do, uh, as you mentioned, and we know that there are some sales where the, the owner does stay on board and has a role with the company with a new ownership. Which, which one's better or is it really just personal preference? Well, it's mostly personal preference. Um, you're right about that, Scott. Um, but one thing that, 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 that I really have seen a lot of over time um, from both sides of the table, from the buy side and from the sell side, is that often the, um, the seller will have a role going forward, and often that doesn't work out well, okay? Um, you know, I was the, the CFO of a company, a corporate CFO of a company um, that sold for a ridiculous margin. It was a software development company. It sold for 11 times their adjusted EBITDA. Um, you know, it was just, it was a $120 million deal for 80% of the business. And part of the deal was that the current um, CEO, the current majority owner of the business, who was no longer the majority owner, of course, um, was going to stay and run the business for two years. Um, he was going to be chairman and they were going to, and CEO, and they were going to hire a president. Well, they hired a president um, and, and he lasted less than a week. Huh. And the, the old, the uh, previous owner um, ran him off, literally ran him off. Um, the day that his two-year contract ended, he was walked out the door. Yeah. You know, and, the, and, the, and this happens. But the real, really, your, your first answer is, is right. Um, it really depends on the goals and uh, how clear the previous uh, owner, the seller, um, has their goals in mind and acts on them during the transaction. So as far as the sale goes, are there any potential deal killers? And, and if so, how do you move past those? Okay, gr great question again. Um, yes, there absolutely are deal killers. Um, and they're, they're very... Uh, very common. Um, the uh, the in, in in pretty much in um, 
priority order. Um, if the company's financial statements um, don't accurately reflect the business, if they're not done well, if they're not audited, if they're not reviewed, um, this can cause a giant problem in due diligence. Basically, then the buyer says, you know, you're, you're, you've misrepresented your business through your financials, um, whether it's on purpose or through incompetence. Uh, it doesn't matter to the buyer. He has to buy what he sees he's buying. Um, so that can be a big one. Um, the, the one that happens a lot is the, um, the value of a business from the buyer's standpoint is based. It's actually often calculated on history, on historical performance. But in the minds of the buyers and in the calculation of the buyers, it really has to do with what the business is projected to do going forward. Um, and the, the sellers make uh, representations as to what that will be. Um, and what, and transactions take a while to happen, Scott. They don't happen. Somebody walks yeah, in and a week later, the deal is done. It takes months often. And during those months, the buyer will watch the performance of the company very, very closely. Um, they, will, they will require um, interim financial statements every month. They will calculate adjusted EBITDA every month. They'll change their idea of what the company is worth every month. And if they see a drop in proje projected performance, then you know, they'll either do one of two things. They'll either reduce the price that they're willing to pay, or they'll just kill the deal. And the other, the real trap is that if the owner, the CEO, the seller, and the seller's management team works on the transaction instead of working on the business, instead of keeping that performance going, it's much more likely to happen. Um, and we, we see it all the time. And uh, it's, it's very, very dangerous. Um, another thing that will kill the deal is um, that, especially for financial buyers, is a weak management team, um, upper management team of the selling company. Um, and, and, and the best um, positioned companies to sell are the ones that where the owner has made himself dispensable. He's not indispensable anymore. He can go on vacation for a month and uh, you know everything hums along and the growth keeps happening and the profits keep happening. That's the best way to position yourself. Um, you know, related to performance or, or sales trends, um, you know, if, if the company's performance was projected to um, happen by, for instance, signing up three or four new big clients and those don't get signed, that's a, that's a big red flag for a buyer and it could kill the deal. The other one that's a little more subtle and it's getting much more important very, you know, almost every day are IT and intellectual property weaknesses at the company. Um, they're not ready for ransomware. They're not ready for cyber attacks. Their stuff isn't backed up. They have they don't have a disaster plan, or they have a disaster plan. Some consultant wrote it out on a piece of paper, but they've never tested it. They've never turned off the computers to see if their disaster plan actually works. Um, so those are those are the biggest deal killers. The, the the question about how do you prevent those deal killers goes back to preparation. It also goes back to the team that you have working with you. It takes a team of people to get a deal done. It, you know, it takes um, CPA firms like CG to get the financials really done right. It takes a number of attorneys, transaction attorneys, estate planning attorneys, um, even IT and IP attorneys um, to get the deal done. Of course, it takes an M&A broker or an investment bank um, and the list goes on and on. 
Um, but really the difference is, and actually, you know, what we try to do is to manage that team so that they're all working together and they're getting the deal done when the deal needs to get done. You know, we just said that, that I just said that the deals take a long time, often months. And that that's the other thing that kills deals um, is time. Yeah, sure. Time kills deals is something that everybody that works in this business hears all the time. And it's always true. This is a lot of great information, Joan. I really appreciate it. Uh, tell me about the business sales solution seminar. Um, yeah, we're going to be doing that um, in uh, in a few days. And the business sales solution was developed by uh, my firm. Um, and it is a, a purely educational vehicle to teach business owners um, what they, um, you know, I, I would say uh, it may be arrogant to say they need to know, but if they know it, they'll do better, um, just like we've been discussing today. Um, and there, there are three... Um, uh, there are three major components to the seminar, three major areas of content. Um, the first is uh, we talk about the number one concern of business owners, which is value and how value is determined, what they can do to influence it, um, you know, in a lot more detail than we'll be able to talk about today. Um, and then the second one is um, what type of buyer is best to you, which informs how they market their company and how they get ready for a sale. And the last one is sort of a, um, a catch-all of preparing for future surprises. As companies prepare for, and, and especially as they execute their exits, um, all the, a, a certain number of things come up all the time. And um, you know, if you're ready for surprises, they're not, they're not as surprising and you can deal with them better. So um, you know, the, the participants are almost always majority of business owners. We'd like to have a few advisors attend because some of the questions that come up, I like to call on the advisors um, to answer the questions um, because it gives them a lot of credibility and it helps the owners. Joe, thanks so much for joining us. Just tremendous information. And we look forward to that upcoming webinar, the business sale solution. Looking forward to it. And thank you, Scott. And that webinar is free for CG Tax Audit and Advisory. Upcoming on June 8th at 9 a.m., it will be featuring an abridged version of the Business Sale Solution. Joe will provide essential information on what you need to know if you're planning or thinking about selling or transferring ownership of your business. Visit cgteam.com slash webinars to register. Again, a free webinar cgteam.com slash cg-webinars. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Thanks again for tuning in to the CG Business Advisor. New episodes on the 1st and 15th of every month. Follow the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from, Apple, Google, Spotify, etc. And be sure to head to cgteam.com where you can find out information about all the offerings from CG Tax Audit and Advisory. We'll talk to you next time right here on the CG Business Advisor. <laughs>